The following is a presentation of WIM, Westminster Youth Ministry. When God saves us, he calls us to a life of following him. This is a process that we call sanctification. It is our lifelong pursuit of fleeing from sin and moving closer to Jesus. This isn't always an easy path, and sometimes it is even unenjoyable. But we are called to be sanctified. He calls us to be holy as he is holy. So in this series called Onward and Upward, we will be looking at different aspects of our sanctification and applying it to our daily walk with Christ. We hope you enjoy. All right. Thank you all for coming. Our girl small group leaders are still out of town or not here, so we're going to do what we did last week and just have a group discussion afterwards. I know. Boys are gross. But as we're going to learn tonight, we're all gross, okay? Because we're going to talk about our need for sanctification. Uh, so tonight we're going to be starting a new series, Onward and Upward, and we're going to be spending 12 sessions looking at what it looks like to be sanctified. Uh, we're going to be looking at our doctrine of sanctification, which is our daily walk with Christ. And as we go on this journey together, I just want you to keep in mind that sanctification is this huge, long process. It's something that we learn over time, something that we display over time, and God works over time. It's not something that you can just instantly get, and we're going to look at, look at that more in detail, is how it is a process later on. But I just want you to keep that in mind, that this isn't something that we just get sanctification and we're good to go. Like This is something we're going to be learning together. It takes time, okay? So just keep that in mind as we jump into this study. So before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would meet us here in this hour as we come together and talk about why we need to be pursuing you, Lord. I ask that you would be with us as we open your scriptures together. Help us to grow closer to you because of it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so C.S. Lewis and the horse and his boy. It's one of my favorites of the Chronicles of Narnia at the the sentence, onward and upward to Narnia and the north, is said. And it's just this idea of going towards something beautiful, okay? Seeing something beautiful and moving towards it. And that's kind of a picture of what our life of sanctification is like. Like we have heaven in front of us, we're looking towards it, and God calls us to grow closer to Him as we're approaching it. So that's kind of our view of sanctification. We look towards heaven and we move towards it. But why do we move towards something better? I think one of the ways we're going to see that tonight is we're going to look at what we're moving away from and see why it's better. So what I want us to see tonight is that we need sanctification because we're sinners who need to grow away from our sin. Not only do we need to be more like Christ, but we need to grow away from our sin. So we're going to look at what is sanctification and why do we need it tonight. So I want to read from the Westminster Larger Catechism, because I think this kind of helps shape sanctification for us. And we're going to spend the whole semester talking about this, so uh, there's, there's more to it than just this. But the Westminster Larger Catechism, number 75, says, Sanctification is a work of God's grace for those whom God has chosen to be holy before the beginning of the world. 
and to whom in time the powerful operation of the Holy Spirit applies the death and resurrection of Jesus. They are renewed in their whole person after the image of God. They have the seeds of repentance in their life and all the other saving graces that are put in their hearts. And these graces are increased and strengthened so that they more and more die to sin and rise to newness of life. So the the whole idea of sanctification is that we are putting to death our sin so that we can grow to be more like Christ. A friend of mine named Seth Starkey, he used to be the RUF minister at Bellhaven University, says this, Sanctification is like a plow turning up a field. In sanctification, God is turning up the decaying soil of our hearts and He's bringing it before our eyes so that we see the wretchedness of it, that we see the offense of it, and so that we can get rid of it. It's exactly what sanctification is. In the fertile grounds of desperation, we come to grips with the true story, the harsh story of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be struggling while we pursue Jesus. In a nutshell, sanctification is the daily grind that you and I go through as we look at our sin, see how awful it is, and look at Christ and see how amazing He is, and we move towards Him. So sanctification encompasses quite a bit, right? But take heart, we're going to unpack this slowly over the next 12 weeks. But as I said earlier, one of the ways that we can better see our sanctification is by looking at what we're coming away from. So author J.C. Ryle says this, Someone who wishes to seek out right views about Christian holiness or sanctification must first begin by examining the vast and solemn subject of sin. So we need to also look at why we need sanctification so badly. So we're going to start by reading 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So I want you to think about how you would define sin. Would you view it that way? That sin is lawlessness. Like anarchy of the soul. That's how John defines it here. John teaches us that sin is anything that's contrary to God. Anything that goes against Him and His character and His law. Sin is, again, the anarchy of the soul. Lawlessness. Let's look at Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all sinned. And then lastly, Psalm 51, 5, which tells us, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So as we look at all these passages, where does sin come from? These passages teach us that we naturally do what we want to do. You know, even when God calls us to Himself and makes us His children, sin is still a reality that we have to live in. It doesn't just go away, and it can only be taken away by the blood of Christ. So is there any space for us to say that we are naturally good? Think about that. The Bible teaches us that we're sinful from birth. 
You know, it's often said that you don't have to teach a child how to sin. My two children, Addie and Mikey, I don't have to teach them how to sin. They know how to do that already. Okay, I never taught Addie how to say no. Never had to teach Addie to not throw things at her brother. I never had to teach Mikey not to hit his sister. But the culture pushes against the belief that the Bible says, and it tells us that man is naturally good. But we see something vastly different from the Scriptures. Going back to the Romans 5.12 passage, what does it tell us about sin? Paul tells us that sin is a family problem. We inherit a naturally sinful nature because of the sin that Adam and Eve committed in the garden in Genesis 3. Paul teaches us uh, in Romans 5.12 when he says, Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So it's not something we can get away from because we're born in the flesh. We need someone to represent us in a perfect way, which Adam, our first representative, failed to do. So when culture tells us that man is naturally good, they're saying that man has just been corrupted by circumstances or surroundings or family or whatever it may be. And yes, there are certainly redeemable qualities in people. You know, there's things like humanitarian efforts, kind neighbors, generous co-workers, loving friends, and so on and so on. But the scripture is clear. If you read Romans chapter 8, 1 through 11, the scriptures are very clear that ultimately unbelievers cannot do anything to please God. Yes, they can do things that reflect His character. This, this is what we call God's common grace. He gives this to all of humankind that we can actually do things that are good for others. But apart from the saving work of Christ, those good works are empty. You know, we probably have many examples of people in the world who don't know Jesus but have done nice things for us. Even the worst of people can display good qualities, right? Think about Adolf Hitler. There were probably people in his life that he did nice things for, okay? But all we remember is what? The bad things he did. But even someone as evil as he was, he's the epitome of evil. Even he could actually display things that were good. But none of that matters. Because without Christ... None of that is helpful. So let's look at Romans 3, 10-12. Romans chapter 3, verses 10-12. It says this, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. So again, Paul is just reminding us that the human heart, there's no exception. Right? We can't say that I don't need sanctification, but Hannah does. Or, I, you know, maybe Asa, he's pretty good. He's done some good things. He doesn't need to be sanctified. But Micaiah... You know, she's, she's done all these things. She needs to go be sanctified. Or Pastor Tree, he's, he's alright. 
Uh, but he needs a lot more sanctification in his life. So uh, we need to just focus on his sanctification. I can just do my own thing. No, we can't say that because there's no exceptions, right? There's no exceptions to the sinful nature of the human heart. Everyone has turned aside. This is what we call total depravity. And total depravity is a way to describe the human nature of man. A man cannot be good apart from the work of God in his heart. And it doesn't mean that man is as evil as he possibly could be. If that was the truth, then all of us would be Hitlers, right? But what it does mean is that we all have that capability, right? I'm talking about Hitler a lot tonight, sorry. But one pastor writes to his congregation, and he says, the seeds of Hitler are in every heart in this room tonight. Think about how much humility that brings, that every single one of you is capable of something like the Holocaust. Let that sink in. That's how much we need God. I'm not saying that any of you will do that. Please don't hear me say that. But we all have that capability. None of us are excluded from the realities of sin. And if the reality of sin is this great, then what is our greatest need? Our greatest need is that the grace of God would work in us to show us our need for Him. The Holy Spirit has to work in us to make us more like Christ. Billy Graham, the famous evangelist, shared this story one time. I think this is such a really neat picture of what sanctification is. He says, I have a friend who during the Depression lost his job, lost his fortune, lost his wife, lost his home. But he tenaciously held to his faith. It was the only thing he had left. So one day he stopped to watch some men that were doing some stonework on this church. And one of them was chiseling this triangular piece of stone and his friend walked up to him and asked, what are you doing with that? And the man said, see that little opening up there on the top of the church? Do you see it, that hole? Well, I'm shaping this down here so that it will fit up there. I'm shaping this down here so that it will fit up there. See, That's exactly what God is doing for us with our sanctification. He is shaping us here in this life, making us more like Christ as He prepares a place for us with Him in eternity. He's shaping us here so that when we get to heaven, we know more about Jesus and we are in our perfected state And we have seen the way through our lives on earth that God has worked in us and has prepared us to enter into His presence. So why do we need sanctification? Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, By grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We don't display... Sanctification in our lives because we think it's going to get us you know, a better seat in heaven or we think it's going to make us right before God. Christ at the cross has done an amazing work of salvation for His people. Okay? He did this because of His love. 
But Christ didn't go through the work of coming to earth, living perfectly, suffering on the cross, dying, being raised from the dead, and ascending into heaven, and going to sit at the right hand of God the Father, just to go take a break. He's actively at work in your life. Paul continues to tell us in Ephesians about this lifelong process of change in verses 9 to 10 in chapter 2. He says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in the same way that Billy Graham's friend was saying, God is shaping you down here so that you will fit in heaven. Perfected because of His work. He's preparing you for eternity with Him. We need sanctification because it's God's way of taking you and me further away from our sin and making us more like Christ. Therefore, making us closer to Him. So let's reflect on that as we discuss this topic tonight. But let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love You. ask that You would work in all of us, Lord. You are at work on everybody in the room, and I pray that You would be working in all of us, Lord. Teach us to look at our sin and to look at You and to desire You more, Lord. We need that. I pray this for every single person in this room. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.